Hi, and welcome inside my caged mind. I'm Micah Frankel. This is an MMA crazy place. I'm happy to share it with you because, man, the MMA world is thriving. You've got promotions all over the place. Fights on ESPN, ESPN+, NBC Sports, CBS Sports Network, Fight TV. I think The Zone still exists. E- um, yes, I said all the ESPNs. UFC Fight Pass, my second favorite home to watch stuff. So, yeah, there's fights everywhere, including, you know, like I said, ESPN+. Plus Tuesday's Dana White's Contender Series, giving out three more contracts last week. Got to be super impressed with Natan Levy moving up, taking a fight at 160, coming in on ultra short notice. I've seen the guy fight at 145, and he gets the submission victory, handing Shani Santana his first ever career loss, a technical submission. That means he put the dude to sleep with that arm triangle. Moving from featherweight now up to lightweight is his goal. Maybe the top Israeli prospect in the game right now. Natan Levy, 6 and 0. Oh. Ultra impressive. Also, eight and one now. Luana Pinheiro from Brazil putting down Stephanie Frosto. Frosto has competed in Muay Thai around the world, and Luana blitzing combination of hooks finds the TKO in violent fashion in the first round. Glad to see both of those prospects signed. Gotta mention. Danny Sabatello, the Titan FC champion who fought at Bantamweight, wrestled his way to a victory, and Dana White didn't see enough. If I was Bellator, right away we're on the phone to that kid's management trying to sign him. There's some diamonds in the rough that the UFC doesn't pick up immediately, and I feel it'd be in the best interest of Bellator to just jump all over those opportunities. That was Tuesday night. Wednesday night, welcome back to America. It was XFC 43 on NBC Sports. Like what they're doing, a mix of veterans and prospects. Tournament status going on. And the lightweights, lightweights, one of the best divisions in all of MMA. That's where your eyes need to be focused. Walter Waits early on in the prelims did some great things. Bobby Nash and that TKO was great. Putting the right hand on the money. Whew. But on the main card, it was all about the lightweights. Kurt Holoba catches Jorizo. Hoiwa bending over, grabs him by the head and tees off with knees, punches, and a violent finish in 26 seconds. Holoba, we've seen him in Titan FC. He's a UFC vet. He's been in there with Habib. And now, after having went to the deepest ends, I think some time to grow, maturity, really putting it together. A guy that the UFC didn't jump on after a performance on the Contender Series, but XFC did. He was the first signing when XFC came back to the United States. Talking about Kenneth Cross. Punishing performance, freezes Jarrell Asko with a feint, and then puts the left hand down the pipe on the money, vicious, Knockdown, ground and pound finish. Hullaba cross. Keep your fingers crossed that that is the lightweight finals for XFC's tournament. Across the world, you had action Thursday morning where you had one inside the matrix. Number three. Number three. John Lineker making his one debut. TKO's former champion, Kevin Billing. Lineker attacking the whole time with his vintage 
hook base body attack and a perfect right uppercut is what sends Bellung crashing to the mount. A couple follow-up punches are academic. John Lineker looking to become a world champion there on the other side of the world. In a moment where Demetrius Johnson has said, depending on how long COVID lasts, his main focus is his family. He may not compete again. So a lot of change possibly happening in one championship. Thursday night, the fight spear up there at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Eunisville, Connecticut. Had Bellator 252. You saw the most complete performance of his career come from Manny Moreau. I love the angles he was hitting, the way he was then able to attack with combinations against Devin Powell, take the fight to the ground, and then be able to stifle the great jiu-jitsu from Powell. I thought it was a great performance for Manny Moreau. The interview is up at the Cage Minds MMA show. And, yeah, he's been a great guest many times. Also had him on the On The Mic radio show that we have every Saturday on 95.9 FM, 610 AM here locally. The Sports Animal in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Big shout out to Manny Moreau. Aaron Pico, he's able to set up his takedowns. And then, that was early. That was a great job by Pico using the punches to get on the inside. And then he uses the punches in the second round. Overhand right. Uncorks and hits John de Jesus so hard that Jesus nearly scorpions. That's your head touching your feet. Bending backwards. Nasty action. Pico, the talent, the promise, all the murmurs, everything we heard about him coming up. All that pressure that was put on him. It's now making a diamond. And having some time there at the Jackson Wing Academy, getting some rounds in, and now getting rounds in in competition and not just going directly to the deep end. Aaron Pico is showing everything that people were talking about. Emmanuel Sanchez came out with a high pace, brutalized Daniel Weichel to the body early, and just overwhelmed to, with volume the entire fight, mixing up his takedowns. They're one in one now. Sanchez gets revenge. It's in a big way because it was a five-rounder this time. And it's also to advance to the semifinals in the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. Yaroslav Amoslav outworks and outscrambles Logan Storley through two rounds. Surviving having his back taken to win a split decision after a rough third round. Heading into the fight, I thought that Amoslav was obviously the number one contender for Douglas Lima, and a welterweight title fight awaited him. Seeing the way he gassed and the issues he had against the Logan Storley with 11 fights of experience, I don't know if Yaroslav is, or, yeah, Yaroslav is now on the level that I expected him to be. The welterweight division could still be looking to find that number one contender in the next fight for Douglas Lima. And Patricio put both fat. Friday in devastating fashion throws a fastball right down the middle and blasts Pedro Carvalho early knocking him down with the right hand and then the left hook two times the second time was a disgusting knockdown that right hand followed up and it's a it's a KO win in just over two minutes for Patricio Pitbull and still your Bellator featherweight champion. Moving on for another matchup with Sanchez. You got Sanchez, the volume fighter, going to be fighting 
the home run hitter, the fastball throwing, the one-punch killer in Pitbull. It's going to be an interesting clash of styles. We've seen it before. This is a different Sanchez. It looked like he put things together and went to another level. But is it the same level that Pitbull was at as he looks so calm, composed, and utterly destructive? You had UFC on Saturday. Highlights to me. Alex Morono, a breakneck pace. Incredible volume. Rise McKees, yeah, the dude can take anything you can deliver. But I loved how Morono put together his strikes and how he break he how he strikes in the awkward moments when there's breaks. Never takes the foot off the gas and gets a decision win. That was a big one for the Fortis fighter. Connor Maruto rocks racks up her first UFC win. It was four takedowns, eight minutes of top time, and outdueling Random Marcos. So there's a Japanese prospect right there in the women's starweight division who could be fighting for a title sooner than later that you should keep an eye on. Sean Strickland in the middleweight division definitely put a check mark and highlight his name right now and keep an eye watching what he's doing. The jab is beautiful, just like it was back in the King of the Cage days. He's able to find the follow-up punches. He was putting the pressure on Brennan Allen the whole time, not loading up, letting everything flow. And then the left hook finds the temple, right hooks to finish. Sean Strickland, that was amazing. One of the two performances of the night, I felt. The other performance of the night is Unreal Power from Chaos Williams as a right hand down the middle knocks out Razak Alassan. And I'm talking about knocks out in devastating breakout the stretcher. Is he all right? We're not going to show this on camera. That kind of not moving scary knockout. It's two knockout wins in 57 seconds. And Chaos Williams, remember, Chaos <laughs> rules supreme at this moment. Paul Felder. He deserves everybody respect and appreciation for saving the card. Even more amazing that he is able to go five rounds on short notice, makes weight, everything. I know he delivered a big speech. Not happy with Eric Anders, with uh, Louis Smoka, and with Safarov. Safarov gets your stuff together and make weight. Well, guys should make weight, but if dudes get sick, Cutting weight does weird things to the body. I don't believe that dude should be cutting so much weight. Love seeing guys fighting closer to their natural weight like what we're seeing out of Sean Strickland. Like when we've seen Cowboy Cerrone, other dudes move up to 170. Not a big fan of the weight cutting. Don't know who I'm going to uh, demean for missing weight. You shouldn't miss weight. But if you get sick during the weight cut, there are only so many things you can do as your body is trying to fight what you're trying to make it do as in depleting it of water and hydration. All that nonetheless, RDA is back at lightweight. The southpaw stance looked sharp. The jab was great. The power hand was finding the mark busted open. Felder, the left body kick was on point. Six takedowns were scored in all slick elbows from the clinch. A threat from the top. It was a full five-round performance, and two round, two judges agreed with it being 50-45. One asleep at the wheel. This is a split decision somehow for Dos Anjos. Even Felder was surprised that a judge gave it 48-47 for him. Uh, judging is a problem. Hopefully the UFC will request to not have that judge there anymore. A wild scorecard, unexplicable. Even Felder was shocked by it. Dos Anjos, he jumps back into the mix. He was going to fight number 14, Islam Makachev. 
Paul Felder jumps up, saves the card. That's incredible. But he's ranked number seven. Now we get to see RDA after that victory jump into the rankings and be tied at six with Charles Oliveira. So thank you to Paul Felder from RDA jumping into the mix. More importantly, thank you from everybody else on the card because the UFC, without a suitable main event, was about to cancel this card. So it was important that we had these guys step up to the plate and save the day. Look forward to this weekend's action. You start off with tonight. With the Contender Series main event is a heavyweight contest. Nick Maximov, a Diaz Brothers protege who at LFA 91 got a rear naked choke of Johnny James in the second round. So I've seen him compete once. Guy is a grappling phenom. Wants to take you to the ground, beat you up, make you give up a submission. Taking on Oscar Cota from Mexico. Coda comes in off of a knockout win at Combate. It was a first-round finish. Guy has heavy hands, wants to stand there and trade. Has had a win by inverted triangle. So don't think he's a slouch anywhere the fight goes. That is your main event tonight. It's a heavyweight contest. I like the co-main event. I've talked to PJ Bays before, and I think this is the time that he'll get his contract from Dana White. This is the third time back on the Contender Series. So far, 1-1 one and one lost to Joby Sanchez. And now is returning in a big way. The win over Christian Rodriguez Jr. In, at LFA 78 gave him four straight wins. Finishes in all of them. Getting fights to the ground and pounding guys out. Taking on Jacob Silva. Silva. Nickname Little Animal, a Metro Fight Club member, actually comes in off of a loss against Jeff Molina earlier in the Contender Series, but that one was such a fracas that he's earned his way back, a finisher with most of his wins. The win streak that he was on, all coming by knockouts, leading to the Contender Series. The guys fought on LFA for Fury FC, Legacy FC. You can feel like the winner of that one will get a contract. There's a reason why those two guys are in the co-main event. And a person I definitely have my eye on in the feature fight, Pita Paulina Macias, judo master, unbeaten in MMA, has fought most of her fights, three of the four, for the LFA. She's a judoka who would rather stand there and trade. She'll be taking on Brazilian Gloria de Paula. Paula, a Shuto Box member, who two of her last three wins have come by knockout, so she's there to scrap. That one is definitely going to be a stand-there-and-trade kind of fun fight. Thursday night, you got Bellator. The prelims, there are two fights that definitely jump out off the card on the prelims. You got Huffion Stotts versus Keith Lee. Stotts 14-1. He's held a VFC title. I believe the LFA title. A top-notch wrestler coming from Rufus Sport Camp. The feature prelim sees the debut of Canadian free agent signee Jeremy Kennedy taking on Matt Bissett. Bissett has held a CES title. 
Kennedy comes in. He's won two of his last three. He fought this past year with the PFL. He's fought for Brave, fought for the UFC, had a pretty good run in the UFC, won three of four, all three by decision. So wasn't the exciting fighter that the UFC was looking for. He's got him back to winning fights on the ground. He lost to Daniel Pineda, but that one ends up being a no contest after Pineda popped for a drug test. So officially he's won his last two, even beating Steven Seiler. On the other side, Matt Bissett, the mangler. It really looked like his run in the CES that led to him getting to the UFC. We're talking about wins over Keith Richardson, Brian Weathers, Kevin Kroon, Ray Trio. It looked like Bissett had put it all together, but then he ran into some bad matchups, losing to Enrique Branzula and Steven Peterson, finding himself back on the regional scene. Two wins in a row. A knockout of Charles Cheeks in his last fight, and he's now on the Bellator featured prelim. I think that one's going to be a delight. Kenny wants to get to the ground where I think Bissett is going to want to stand and trade and try to utilize a speed advantage. Also got a highlight. Jaleel Willis is on these prelims. He was supposed to fight Patricky Pitbull on the in the co-main event a couple weeks ago. Now he's back to 170 after that fight got canceled. This is where he won an LFA title, taking on Mark Leminger. I'm excited to see what Willis does. Also, J.J. Wilson, unbeaten at 6-0. and The brash, cocky Australian is another hopeful in the Bellator cage. Takes on Sergio Dabari. Dabari coming in with a 5-1 and record. And this is going to be the first time that we're seeing him in Bellator, four-fight win streak, all in the CFFC. A submission, a knockout, and two decisions on that four-fight win streak. Well, Wilson has been quite spectacular. His last win, a split decision over Taiwan Claxton, and you know that that really was able to garner a lot of momentum. He has three of his four submission wins by rear naked choke. So a lot of entertainment there to be found on the Bellator Prelims coming on Thursday. The main card starts off with Joey Davis. I'm being at seven and zero, taking on Bobby Lee, twelve and four. Lee, sixteen fights under his belt. He's won a regional title up there in Minnesota. He's a tough wrestler who won a title for CFFC. Can find the submissions. Is always willing to trade. But when you talk about the two fighters, Joey Davis is a different level of prospect. Davis finishing Chris Cisneros in the first round in his last fight almost a year ago. Davis has won his last three by first round knockout, putting together the hands. He looks to do it again. The young man obviously comes in as a as the prohibitive favorite, but they're moving up that level in class of fighter. This would be another test, but I'm suspecting that we're going to see a dynamic performance by Black Eyes Joey Davis. The co-main event, the former lightweight champion of the world, Benson Henderson, jumps up to 170 to take on Jason Jackson. Jackson has won regional titles with VFC, Titan FC, LFA. He's nicknamed the ass-kicking machine. He's coming off of decision victories over Kichi Kurimoto and Jordan Meehan. He's got a takedown defense together and lets those hands fly where Henderson is going to want to utilize his body kicks, his calf kicks, and try to get this fight to the ground. We've seen Henderson have some moderate success at 170 pounds, but when he took on Andre Korshakov, the striking was just too 
overwhelming those power punches and it sent Henderson back down to 155 probably doing this fight for Bellator because they asked he could make 170 easily let's go out there and see what happens I like Jackson though because he's a bigger striker and just a bigger body there at 170 the main event's going to be something special it's a five rounder it's a Bellator featherweight Grand Prix semifinal as you see unbeaten unbeaten 16-0 the mercenary AJ McKee Jr. taking on Darian Caldwell Caldwell the former Bellator former legacy Bantamweight champion who has now I thought looked a lot better a lot healthier and just a lot more physically dominant going up to 145 pounds McKee a left hook knockout in eight seconds of Georgie Karihanian in the opening round. He retired Pat Curran last year and submitted Derek Campos with a triangle arm bar combination. Young man that is a prospect like no other. Caldwell NCAA champion who has fought some of the best in the world. Submitted Adam Borish in the quarterfinals. Forgot to mention that he bettered Henry Corrales by decision in the opening round. Slight favorite, I would think, for McKee because of his finishing ability. This one has war written all over. Two long, lengthy, top prospects. Great wrestling backgrounds. Able to find chokes with their long limbs. Definite submission acumen. And I think there's a little more punching power come from A.J. McKee. So I think that's why we're going to see A.J. McKee as a slight favorite. That's Thursday. Friday, we got a double header for you on UFC Fight Pass. You got Invicta FC 43. The strawweight title is vacant. It's up for grabs. 9-1, Mostretta Moroniz versus former Bellator title challenger Emily Decote Ruiz coming off of a key lock from Scarfhold. Submission win over Hanessa Modarin. She had lost to Danielle Taylor. Taylor, we know how good she is. Seeing her at L at XFC defeat Jessica Aguilar by decision. It's the only loss of Mastretta's career who has three of her four finishes by submission. Well, Dakota, the Oklahoma fighter, more experienced, 15 fights to 10 fights for Mastretta. You have Dakota winning three of her last four. Took out Juliana Lima in her last fight, a decision one. Only lost by split decision to Kaneko Morota. And we know the kind of grappling and wrestling that Morota is bringing. Dakota got to have a slight advantage being the hometown fighter. This one is going to be a wild one there in the main event of Invicta FC 43. Monstretta, a slight betting favorite, I would say, where Dakota. A little more hometown feel. Kayla Harris on loan from the PFL will take on Courtney King, the lightweight champion of the PFL's women division, jumping down to 145 for the first time. King comes on on a three-fight win streak, two submissions in the Invicta cage, rear naked chokes of Holly Salazar and Audrey Wolf. Well, Harrison has just been physically dominant, and this could lead to possibly a crossover. Fighting for a UFC brand here. In the PFL, could we one day see Harrison in Bellator trying to get that cyborg fight going as she's a teammate of Amanda Nunez? Decisions, ground and pound, 
big submissions. That's what Kayla Harris has been doing, and that's what you can expect. Talk about a fight that I want to see on the ground. Should be entertaining if it goes there. Megan Penning, who I have an interview with up at CageMinds.com, makes her professional debut, the Fit NHB fighter, who hasn't fought in a year. Her last amateur fight, MMA, was a year ago in China. Big victory by decision, taking on Alexa Couple. Or Copel. Copel. Sorry. I am horrible sometimes for saying these names when I read them really fast. Copel has four of her five wins, including amateur by submission. Penning has went to Worlds, I believe, before to compete for jiu-jitsu no, uh, with Gi. So I think that we have a fight that's going to hit the ground and should be very entertaining if they do so. That was my one undercard fight to feature there. Jump over to, like, starting an hour later in the night, I believe, still on UFC Fight Pass. You have LFA 95, the main event, Nick Brown versus Arthur Estrazoulis. Brown was supposed to fight for the lightweight title. Injury derailed that. Two of his last three wins come by submission. It's a three-fight win streak in all. And two of those wins in the LFA, submitting Trey Ogden and a decision win over Ben Ely. Well, on the other side, Arthur Estrazoulis, who has bounced between Bellator and the LFA, has his last two wins in the LFA, a submission of Steve Cazola and a submission of Dominic Clark. This one has fun written all over it, and don't blink, because each guy can catch a finish in an instant. Also on that main card, Bellator, sorry, Glory Kickboxing, two-division champion Alex Ferreira makes his LFA debut, 2-1 and one in MMA in kickboxing. He's knocked out Israel Adesanya. He takes on Thomas Powell. Powell, 4-4 four and four as a professional. Dude looks like he's ripped out of granite and has big knockout ability. Three of his four wins come from those hands. That is going to be a feature fight where they just throw down. That is not to be missed. Also, super prospect Tabitha Ricci steps into the LFA cage for the second time. The incredible Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. Also, my favorite division, the men's featherweights. You've got two top prospects. Bruno Souza, the Lyoto Machida prodigy, taking on Guillermo Costa. That one in the featherweight division, Costa, ripping American top team, has won three of his last four fights. So you got fights Tuesday, you got fights Thursday, you got a doubleheader Friday, then you've got Saturday where it's time for pay-per-view. UFC 255, a big night for the flyweights, a pretty good night for the welterweights. Davidson Figueiredo defends the title for the first time against Alex Pettis. Figueiredo comes in at 19-1. Well, Pettis is 24-5. Figueiredo, those last four wins, a four-fight win streak. A decision over Pantoja, a guillotine that I was in person for. Nasty, tight guillotine of Tim Elliott. Then you are able to beat Benavides back-to-back times because you miss weight. It's a four-fight win streak, even with that asterisk of missing weight. Figueiredo, his wrestling has been questioned. It's looked solid recently. He has tight submissions, and he's definitely the more powerful puncher. Now that we've said all that, I made it sound like a foregone conclusion. Alex Pettis has won three of his last four. The only loss, a TKO loss to Joseph Benavides. 
And if not, you would have seen an incredible win streak. We're talking about one, two. It'd be 11 in a row without that loss to Benavides for Pettis. Pettis' his last two wins in the first round. Putting Jordan Espinosa to sleep with an arm triangle choke and the TKO from leg kicks of Juicier Formiga. So soon as you want to count the young man out, he is game. Also stopped Jose Shorty Torres, the Shorty hype train. He got a first round knockout of Torres. So we've seen the underdog come out and climb up before and surprise everybody. Pettis has 12 finishes, 5 knockouts, 7 submissions. That is your main event for UFC 255. Co-main event is also a flyweight title fight. The second best female fighter in the world. Because yes, Amanda Nunez is the best first. Valentina Shevchenko, number two in the world. Defends her title against Jennifer Maya. Maya taking Joanna Calderwood's shot. Calderwood on short notice, jumping in to fight Maya. Maya catching Calderwood in an armbar to win this opportunity. Maya has held the Titan FC title and titles in Brazil, so she's no stranger to championship contests. But Valentina Shevchenko has been on another level, tearing people apart. Six knockouts, seven submissions, 5-0 and since going to 125. The only one that gave her problems at 135 is the Lioness. The five wins in a row. You submit Priscilla Cochera by rear naked choke in this dominant fashion in the debut, taking the title by an epic beatdown of Joanna Janjacek, the knockout that will live in highlight reels forever of Jessica I, dominating Liz Carmouche in grappling, and then knocking out Caitlin Chikagian. Another showcase coming here for Shevchenko. Maya has won three of four. She's pulled upsets before. She has a long time of striking experience with her Muay Thai. I don't know if it's going to be enough. Even though when you look overall, she's won, I believe it's nine of her last 11 fights. You still feel like this is just another showcase for the champion. Tim Means replaces Robbie Lawler. He's going to fight Mike Perry. You got to think Mike Perry likes to brawl. And we've seen his grappling take advantage of before and be his Achilles heel. Means has been working to incorporate his grappling more. And I think we're going to see a big performance out of Means getting this one to the ground. In the women's flyweight division, we could see another challenger named, unless the UFC just gives it to Jessica Andrade as number two ranked Caitlin Chikagian and a number four ranked Cynthia Calvillo are going to throw down. Calvillo 1 and 0. Chikagian coming off of a win to get back in the W column after that TKO loss to Shevchenko. She beat Antonita Shevchenko and now she's coming off of a loss to Jessica Andrade. Andrade with that vicious body shot took out Chikagian quickly. Chikagian Trying to get back into the title picture with the quick turnaround. Well, Calvillo, the fight against Lauren Murphy was canceled due to COVID. Now Calvillo's jumping right back in there. She hasn't lost since December of 2017, losing a decision to Carla Esparza. That's three wins in the last four. A majority draw to Marina Rodriguez. The dominant win, though, over Jessica I in her flyweight debut is what jumped up Calvillo. So Calvillo is trying to set up a situation where the UFC has to decide between Andrade and Calvillo and Shikagi is just trying to shock the world and make it relevant again. You gotta feel that 
Calvillo comes in as a favorite in that one. Her grappling is where she'd like to take the fight. We have to see. What's going to be nuts is watching the other flyweight number one contenders fighting in this one where Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval go at it. Moreno, cut from the UFC, wins the LFA title, has came back. He's unbeaten in his last four. There was a split draw with Askar Askar. But his last two, he's beat Kaikara France and Juicier Farmiga by decision. A grappler whose boxing has tremendously improved. Brandon Royval, 11 of his 12 wins by finish, 8 by submission, including his last four wins over Kaikara France. That guillotine at UFC 253. He got Tim Elliott by triangle choke just a couple months before that. Takes out Nate Williams last November. And five months before that, was able to submit Joby Sanchez by armbar. There's a special way that Brandon Royval is able to find finishes. If you're Brandon Moreno, you are slick on the ground, but you probably still want to keep this one standing and use your boxing skills. A big night, like I said, for the flyweights. A fun night for the welterweights, as you also have Nicholas Dalby versus Daniel Rodriguez, two big punchers. You have Jared Gooden making his octagon debut against Alan Jabuen, and you have the debut of unbeaten Louis Sosko versus Sasha Plankovich. So those are all big fights in the welterweight division. Got to look back at the women's flyweight division because I skipped over another ranked contest where you see a top 15 matchup. Ariana Lipinski, the Brazilian, taking on Antonita Shevchenko. Shevchenko looking to rebound from that loss to Shikagian. Lipinski's won two in a row. A knee bar of Luna Carolina in her last fight. This one's going to be entertaining. Seriously, both women have skills everywhere this one goes. And I feel there's a slight edge in Lipinski having that momentum coming in. And don't forget that coming off of the greatest knockout in UFC history with that spinning back kick, Joaquin Buckley is going to take on Jordan Wright right in his debut. A spinning heel kick on Charlie Villanueva and then busted him open with knees. That middleweight fight right there could still fight of the night. Buckley, eight knockouts, eight finishes. Where you look on the other side, Wright has the ability to get to your back. 11 finishes and 11 wins, six knockouts, five submissions. That one could steal the show on the prelims. It's a big week of action. We've got Contender Series, like I said, here in a few minutes. Got to get to that tonight. Don't forget Thursday, Bellator, your Friday doubleheader. Saturday, it's pay-per-view time with the UFC. A giant night for the flyweights. The welterweights are happening, helping out. And that's what's going on inside of My Cage Mind this week. Thanks for listening. Please like the episode. Subscribe to everything going on here on Cage Minds. Across social media, check us out on Facebook, Cage Minds Combat Sports News. On Twitter, at Cage Minds MMA. Instagram, Cage Minds underscore CSN for Combat Sports News. YouTube, Cage Minds MMA Show. Again, thank you for listening.